Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Debrief. We'll be joined by Mike Lewis in just a moment. This week, Pope Francis officially appoints a bishop for Shanghai. A Nicaraguan bishop is released and then returns to prison. And lastly, a brief profile of a new African cardinal. Hi, Dominic. Hey, Mike, welcome back to the show. Friends, welcome to The Debrief. It's our weekly show where we're talking about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, the founder of Smart Catholics. And I'm Mike Lewis, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Where Peter Is. So our first story today, Mike, it has to do with the delicate situation between the Vatican and Beijing. On July 15th, Pope Francis appointed Bishop Joseph Shen Bin as Bishop of Shanghai. The news is controversial because back in April, as you told me, Bishop Shen was installed as the Bishop of Shanghai without the approval of the Holy See. Now, at the time, the Vatican Secretary of State condemned the decision, which seemed to be a clear violation of the Vatican-China agreement on appointing bishops. And yet three months later, the Vatican approves this appointment. Can you share why? Yes. Well, this is a, a complicated issue. And before I go into this answer, just uh, wanted to point out to listeners that this is a, a an international edition of, uh, of the uh, debrief. Wanted to cover some issues over the last month or so that we hadn't talked about. I was thinking about going more into rad trad controversies or ad orientum posture or, you know, communion in the hand, but let's, uh, let's, these are hot topics. Too. Let's take a step back and look at the real issues that are going on in the church, as opposed to our little squabbles. So first of all, yes, obviously the fact that China appointed this Bishop, Bishop Shen, and didn't ask for the permission of the Holy See and Rome basically learned about this appointment from the news release. They weren't told in advance um, that, that Bishop Shen had been appointed um, was a slap in the face. It was a, it was a violation of the agreement and Cardinal Paroline said so. Uh, there were a lot of reasons why the Vatican was mad, but there were also some pretty nuanced reasons why the Vatican went ahead and ultimately signed off on this. Uh, Cardinal Paroline gave an interview, which according to America, um, Jerry O'Connell got information that this was a very carefully written out diplomatic statement in the form of an interview. This wasn't a freewheeling situation. This is, you know, Cardinal Paroline wanted to make some things clear in a very diplomatic way about why the Vatican made this decision and how this impacts the relationship between the two countries overall. So first, Paroline emphasized that the key to the provisional agreement of 2018, which was renewed two years later in 2020, and then again in 2022, is founded on the principle of, and I quote, decisions taken in agreement. Obviously, Rome did not participate in this decision, which was the transfer. Basically, uh, Bishop Shen was bishop of the Diocese of Haiman, which is about a 75, 80 miles north of Shanghai. So Shanghai is the biggest diocese in China. Their, their see had been vacant for a while. Um, in China, this was a transfer. So it wasn't necessarily an appointment of a new bishop. Bishop Shen had been approved in the past to be a bishop. It was just this move, which has been interpreted by some commentators 
who understand the situation as a power move on China's behalf because they weren't picking a new bishop, but they were making a decision about where a bishop should go. Um, there are a lot of other issues built into this. Uh, China and the Vatican aren't necessarily in agreement on how many dioceses there are. I believe that basically there are about 97 dioceses according to the Chinese church, and there are another 50 to 80% more according to Rome. Um, and a lot of these are empty. And we don't know if the agreement, because we've never seen it, we don't know if it rectifies these questions or not. Um, another thing that Cardinal Paroline noted was that this was the second time since the renewal of the deal that this that this agreement has been broken by China. Um, the other one, I think, was the naming of an auxiliary bishop. It was a transfer. Um, it wasn't as major as moving somebody to the to the biggest diocese in the country. Um, Paroline said that Pope Francis, and I quote again, decided nevertheless to rectify the canonical irregularity for the, another quote, greater good of the diocese. So he's not saying that Bishop Shen is a great choice. He is not saying that Pope Francis agrees with what China did. Um, Pope Francis has in the past said positive things about Bishop Shen, who, even though he is the president of the Chinese Patriotic Bishops Association, um, he has he was approved by the Vatican in 2010. So he's one of those bishops that is both official and has been recognized by the church since prior to the agreement. Um, but it's one of those things. He's a prominent bishop. He was moved to a big diocese. Is this the end of the world? Like they could have just asked us and we probably would have rubber stamped it. Mm -hmm. We want to end the agreement. Do we want to end essentially our relationship with China um, mm -hmm. over this? I guess it's not the end of the world. Let's, let's do it. Um, then Cardinal Perlin, uh, after giving that very, very, I think, lukewarm um, justification for it, and I'm not, I'm not saying lukewarm in the sense of uh, the reasons weren't sound, but it was sort of like, it wasn't so much that their backs were 100% against the wall, but it was like, let's give them one more chance, or listen, mm -hmm. guys, we mean it this time, but you really shouldn't be doing this. Very tactically um, careful. Yeah. And so um, Paraline said that there are three matters that need to be dealt with urgently. Mm -hmm. um, the first is the Episcopal Conference. Now, as I mentioned, Bishop Shen is the president of the Chinese Patriotic Association's Bishop Conference, but that is not an organization that is recognized by the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church does not see that as part of the Chinese Church. The Catholic Church recognizes that organization as made up of Catholics, perhaps, but it is a government organization. Unlike the United States or England and Wales or Canada, um, there is no Chinese Catholic Bishops Association that is a united body that is overseen by the National Conference themselves that is in full union with Rome. That's been an issue for a very long time. It's been under discussion. Um, it, it's sort of an impasse, but it's something that in order to have regular relations, it's it's a necessary step. And I I mean, it 
it may be possible to transfer one organization to the other, but um, they would have to change dramatically <laughs> in order for that to happen. Um, the second one is the communication of the Chinese bishops with the Pope. Um, it's one thing, obviously, and you hear this from traditionalists all the time, that bishops do have authority in their dioceses and they are sovereign to a certain extent. But in the end, they are in the College of Bishops, which means they are technically united with the Pope. We're in a world where we have modern technology and modern communications. Um, now, some of the bishops, I don't know why there, there could be pressure as to why they aren't in connection with, you know, from the government, why they aren't speaking to Rome. Maybe they're looked upon with suspicion, or maybe they look on Rome with suspicion. It's a, it's really complicated because it's one of those things where, yes, China is a, an atheist communist country. Um, but from the looks of it, the Chinese Catholics, for the most part, yes, they are loyal citizens and maybe they lean a little bit more communist but you need to be an atheist to be a part of the communist party in china um having any religion in china is frowned upon um during the cultural revolution from 1966 to 1976 it didn't matter if you were an underground catholic you were a patriotic catholic basically anyone with religion was being persecuted now don't get me wrong the clandestine church got the brunt of it but there has to be a seed of wanting to be Catholic, even to be in that, if that makes sense. Like, I, yeah. I just yeah. see that somebody would want to become a Catholic priest just to serve the Communist Party for the rest of their life or mm -hmm. take an appointment as a bishop. And and a lot of these bishops in, in the um, Patriotic Association, you know, especially the ones who have been rectified with Rome, they take on a lot of pressure themselves because um once you're officially registered or recognized that means you become an official in a town and if there's a you know if there's a communist parade or something like that the 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 mayor of the town this is what i've heard might make the bishop sit on stage right next to him so everyone can see him or try to implement more and more rules within the within the church and so the bishop kind of has to be this deft maneuverer to uh, mm -hmm. rectify these these kind of things. So that, I mean, it's. I think there's there's too much of a binary being looked at here, uh, black and white. It's like obviously there's some religion there, there's mm -hmm. Christian faith there for someone to be, and a lot of the people in the church don't even know the difference. Like the regular Sunday Catholics, they go to the Catholic Church and they have no idea whether it's you know whether it's patriotic or whether it's it's um, underground. It's so there are, there are a lot of layers here and. Really, what the Vatican has been focusing on is the bishops more than mm -hmm. okay. So, the third thing is evangelization, and the, I think that just what you described that sounds like a very <laughs> difficult prospect. Yes, and there are anti proselytism laws. I don't know if it's still in effect, but at one point there was a law that was passed where nobody under 18 was permitted to take part in religious activities. Um, I don't wow. know if it's still in effect. Obviously, I think people are getting baptized at home or maybe getting religious instruction from their parents, probably in some towns because China is not a monolith. People are disregarding this law. But if you mm -hmm. have government officials in your town who are 
extremely patriotic and want to fulfill the letter letter of the law and want to, you know, and and are true believers that in whatever government edicts come down, this is obviously a huge threat to, to the Chinese church. So as you can see, it's a it's a far from perfect situation, and it's not just affecting Catholics. It's this China is very bad to religion. They've been getting worse under the current regime. And how how do we cope with that? How do we, you know, how how does a person of faith, and we see what happens with the Uyghurs, um, the Muslims in, in China, and then there are, you know, Catholics who who have been imprisoned and worse throughout the history of the church, uh, the church in China. So um, the, the Vatican apparently made the deal because they were afraid that the unregistered, unregistered Catholics, the so-called underground Catholics who aren't terribly underground in a lot of cases anymore in China, um, the, the government was possibly prepared to squash them if, if they didn't take this deal. So, and, and that was kind of the thing that, that Perlin, um, landed on was mm -hmm. that ultimately the green, the agreement must be applied if it's going to work. And he said that the Vatican intends to keep up their end of the deal. And they've mm -hmm. even made some of these not ideal goodwill gestures towards the Chinese. Let's accept some of your bishops. Let's accept what's, you know, that, that you do have a certain degree of autonomy and, and let's work, try to work within that system. But if China isn't even going to you know, isn't even going to to stick with the deal that they agreed to, then then obviously that's that's the mistake. And I think that's a little bit different or significantly different than a lot of the critics of the deal who think that it's it's the church capitulating to China. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't know what's in the deal exactly, but the aim was for the church to find a way to still be the Catholic Church while working within this system that is far from ideal yeah. so that's speaking of so speaking of negotiations we have some negotiations breaking down in uh, nicaragua we have the catholic bishop rolando alvarez he was released from prison on july 4th but then returned to prison on july 5th when negotiations between alvarez and the government broke down he was sentenced to 26 years in prison back in february by ortega's government and he was released, but then went back the next day. Um, so he put out a statement on July 5th. Sorry, the auxiliary bishop, Silver, Silvio Jose Baez. He's also from Nicaragua. He recalled a conversation he had with Bishop Alvarez, who told him that he would not leave Nicaragua for any reason unless the Pope ordered him to do so. Bishop Baez went on to say that Alvarez said it was a decision he made in conscience before God. Thus, there is nothing to negotiate, end quote. Where do you go with this, Mike? Well, obviously, this is a situation where uh, a bishop is demonstrating solidarity with his people. Um, he's not the only Catholic who is who is under arrest in prison because of his because of his religious views and because of being a vocal critic of uh, President Daniel Ortega um, and his Sandinista government. Um, since things have changed, obviously, in the last year or so, when or Ortega returned to power in 2007, but um, Alvarez has been the first bishop to be in prison during mm -hmm. this time. Um, I was reading, like, what is he in prison for? He was convicted of treason, undermining national integrity, spreading false news, um, among other charges. 
the judge announced that he would be fined and stripped of his Nicaraguan citizen. And this is a Nicaraguan, you know, he was born and, and raised there. This is, this is his country. He became a priest there and then he became a bishop. Um, meanwhile, uh, the crackdown by uh, Ortega's government on the church continue. Priests are arrested. Churches and Catholic organizations, Catholic charities are being shut down. Overall, this is a very, very sad, tragic, and incomprehensible situation. It, it just goes to show just how, just how fragile our freedoms can be. Um, Alvarez reminds me of a lot of these hero saints uh, going back to St. Peter, returning to Rome to be with his people. But mm -hmm. uh, we also have in the U.S., we have Blessed Stanley Rother, who's originally from Oklahoma, who was also in Central America under the threat of martyrdom, and he chose to remain with his people. Uh, probably uh, Oscar Romero, you know, he had the opportunity to leave, but he knew he was he was going to be martyred because he wanted to, def to defend his people. Now, hopefully this won't come to a point where the, the Sandinistas start killing people of faith, but this is, I mean, this is just a troubling development and mm -hmm. it's just frustrating to see in this day and age that, that religious freedom can crack down can collapse and, and that a so bishop quickly. can be imprisoned. Yeah. We have the, the Holy Father and leaders in the global church and the international community have been vocal in their denunciation of Ortega's actions, but thus far, like you just pointed out, situation hasn't improved. So friends, let's continue to pray for this dire situation persecution in the church. Last story today is a new cardinal from Africa. South Sudanese Archbishop Stephen Ameyu faced stiff resistance when he was appointed to the Archdiocese of Juba in late 2019. Yes, and so I just wanted to, when we were talking about it, we've talked about cardinals for the last couple of weeks, and so mm -hmm. I thought I would pick out some of the more interesting ones, uh, get to know you as the weeks go, as the weeks go on, introduce people to leaders in the global church. Um, his story actually reminds me a little bit of Cardinal Peter Abere Okpaleke of Nigeria. We talked about, okay. I, I don't know if we talked about him on on the debrief, but we've definitely, actually, that's probably the first time I've said his name aloud. So um, no, we did not talk about him, but I did write about him. And he was a very interesting story because he was nominated, um, he was appointed, I think, by Pope Benedict in 2012 to mm -hmm. be a uh, bishop of a diocese in Nigeria. And the, the priesthood, the, the entire clergy and the people would not let him take his seat in the cathedral. Um, and so he was a bishop in limbo for five or six years. He finally resigned and Pope Francis accepted it. And then he was named um, bishop of a brand new diocese, one of, I think, the third or fourth biggest diocese in Nigeria. And then out of nowhere, he was named a cardinal. And this is a situation where obviously South Sudan has been independent from Sudan for about a dozen years. I don't, I don't remember the exact year of independence. Um, and Juba is the only archdiocese in the entire, you know, pair of countries. Um, okay. And so when he was named a group of three priests and five laymen who claimed to represent the majority of the concerned the concerned people of the archdiocese, they wrote a protest letter to the Pope stating that uh, Ameyu would not be accepted under any circumstances. And the accusations against him 
were all over the place. They accused him of corruption, of manipulating his way into the position of having undue influence or maybe bribing a Vatican diplomat to get to get the archbishop uh, appointment. And they even said that he had six secret children somewhere. Um, and then he was appointed and he did take the seat. So he, it wasn't as extreme as the situation in Nigeria. But then Pope Francis took that trip to South Sudan uh, this past February. And he and Archbishop Ameyu made a great show of solidarity. They called for peace in that country. I mean, mm-hmm. South Sudan has not known peace since they since they became a country. And and obviously before that, there were all kinds of wars and conflicts when, when Sudan was united. Um, and so basically in the end, uh, you know, Ameyu had denied all of these allegations. And then when Francis appointed him to the rank of cardinal, this seems to uh, reconfirm Francis's faith in choosing him as archbishop and his thoughts about him as a leader in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've highlighted a quote from him for us to share today. After his appointment, Cardinal designate Ameyu said this to reporters, the happiness of the church is my happiness. And as its representative in various ways, I am an integral part of it. This appointment took me by surprise as there was no prior consultation. However, I firmly believe that when the Holy Father speaks, it is our duty to respond with obedience. Rome's decisions are inviolable. And I am pleased to accept this this appointment as an opportunity to serve our church in a higher capacity. And I think one thing that all three of these stories show, because each of the three talks about a bishop in a different situation, mm-hmm. but it is how integral the role of the Pope is. In the situation in China, which is clearly not ideal, far from ideal, not, not even good, um, the Pope can at least canonically rectify a situation before it gets out of hand. And and this mm-hmm. is something that the church does in her mercy. We have, I mean, we have annulments, we have uh, things like radical sanation, we have um, pastoral, different kinds of pastoral accommodations that take place in the mm-hmm. internal forum. And this is happening obviously on a much bigger or grander scale, but um, because unity is so key to the church, um, I think that's why Pope Francis did it. He didn't want uh, the Chinese church to fall out of communion. Now, in the case of um, Bishop Alvarez, he said that he he plans to remain as long as uh, unless the Pope orders him to go back. And obviously, the Pope hasn't ordered him, or the word <laughs> hasn't gotten to him. But it's it's one of those things like, no, I'm going to stay with my people because that's what a bishop does. And Pope Francis has talked about the closeness of a bishop to his people because he had the opportunity uh, to bolt, you know, to get on the next plane t- to Rome. Um, some people said that Rome was hoping that that's what he would do. And I think people were relatively surprised that the day after he is released, he makes these demands and he says he's going to stay. And then he goes back to prison. So that's a that's a great show of bravery. So I think I, I think all three, um, when we talk about this, when we see this quibbling that's going on in the U.S. church or in the English language church against the Pope with all of these, you know, with all of this back and forth, with all of this, with all of these distractions and you look at people in these serious international situations and, and what's holding us together is the papacy. 
-hmm. I, I think that helps put things into into much better perspective. I don't know if you agree with that or if you saw that thread. Oh, I, I totally agree. There's a lot of gratitude to be actively cultivated for, for where we are. And we can we need to <laughs> disengage from the manufactured mania that social media brings around. Um, I love the sense of perspective. So I appreciate that. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike, for the debrief uh, well, on you, this today. If uh, obviously each of these friends are overviews of complex topics. And so we'll have links in the description if you want to continue reading either articles by uh, where Peter is or other ones by other um, endorsed sites or projects that uh, Mike keeps abreast with. Um, this conversation is brought to you by smartcatholics.com. It's the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join the private Where Peter Is group to ask questions, share insights, and suggest topics for next time. And visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and spiritual reflections by and for faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis. Subscribe to this channel and hit that like button so more people can hear this debrief. And support Where Peter Is on Patreon to help us continue bringing you this show. Thanks for joining us. When it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church, stay curious, informed, and engaged. God bless you. <laughs>